the great saying that anger <laughs> is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Anger and unforgiveness can really kill you. Failing. 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 I know. We talk about failure. Some battles you feel like you lost. And survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's tough. I had to make some tough decisions. We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life. That's a blessing. Achieve your dream. And then what we do with it. And this is Failing Forward. Listeners, I have a previous guest that's back on with us tonight. I'm super stoked. Brittany Ruby Miller. Many of you know her. She's the chief executive officer at Jeff Ruby Culinary Entertainment. But hey, she's also an author of a book called Five Star Life. And I bought it. I read it. It's freaking amazing. And welcome, Brittany. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being back here. Listeners, we talked ahead of time, like, what do we want to talk about today? So Brittany, first, what was the impetus for the book? It's just very interesting. I um, always felt, even like in college, that one day I might write a book. I think everybody has a feeling because I think you go through life circumstances and it's it's like this would make a really good book because everybody has a story. And um, but then as you're going through life circumstances that aren't fun, that's really not on your mind. It's you're in survival mode. If you're, you know, if you've had traumatic things that have happened and, and stressors. And so then, you know, I, I go through life and deal with a lot of things. And, um, and after a tremendous amount of counseling and I mean, many hours of therapy and, um, working on myself, my marriage, my business, um, you know, after the past, I don't know how many years it's just been, um, a lot of healing that I'm in a place where I think it's, um, my job to step up and share my story, uh, hoping that it can inspire others. So it did inspire me before I get into the inspiring part. I do want to say, I mean, I grew up in Cincinnati. Of course I knew about your dad, but I didn't know cause I was younger. I didn't know the, the stories or the rumors or anything like that. And I think you did an incredible job of, you kept me wanting to turn the page, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Not in a, uh, what's the word, like taking advantage of his stories, mm -hmm. but in a sense of like giving a different perspective, I think, mm -hmm. because I'm sure people came up with multiple rumors and you talk about one story in there, uh, that I just didn't know about. And so when I read that, I was like, Oh God, that yeah. was probably hard. Yeah. Yeah. There were lots of rumors growing up. And I remember my dad and my mom would always tell me, you can't please everyone. And I was just always, you know, I, at that point when you're young, it's everything matters, every opinion matters. And, um, going back to why I wrote the book now is because I, I, I know the value of my story, but I also know the value in my own self-worth and, and, um, and so I'm not affected really. And sometimes that can come off kind of like, I really don't care what people think about me. I mean, I'm not, um, totally, um, shut off when, when I hear things I might hear, but I'm, I'm really at a, at a point now where, you know, we have a short period, a short time here on earth. And if I'm going to be concerned with keeping all of those around me thinking that I've got it all together or thinking about what they're thinking about me, 
um, I'm going to waste a lot of energy that really could be, um, spent on making sure that my life and my family's life, uh, is worth living. Uh, but the, but the rumors growing up as a child, that's, that can be very devastating. And, um, and we had a lot, but, um, it felt, it, it did feel a little bit validating to be able to give an inside perception into who Jeff Ruby really is. Um, and he's the, you know, my husband's pretty awesome. My, my, my father is one of the most remarkable people I've ever met in my life. And he was a great dad. And, um, and I, I, I saw, you know, things that, um, that did affect him. And so it felt a little bit, you know, like, I, I think he feels that way too, you know, and it wasn't just him telling his story. It was from his daughter's perspective, which I think, uh, I know that he appreciates. Did you go over, did you share it with him first? Yeah, he read my manuscript and then he read the edits and then he read the final and then he read the final fine after it was published. And he says it's um, of course, he's my dad and he's very proud of me, um, but he's like, it's one of the best books I've ever read. So he's he's super happy about it. And was I talked to my family before because, you know, when you share um, if you're that transparent, I wanted to make sure, you know, this is a this isn't called Brittany Ruby culinary entertainment. It's Jeff Ruby culinary entertainment. And my brothers are a big part of that. Uh, so I sat them down and shared what this book be about. And, um, they were 100% supportive and, um, were very similar in our values and beliefs. And they were just all for it. What about your husband? What did Caleb think? Well, Caleb really, I mean, because of the amount of work that's, that has went into our, our healing and our marriage, he, he, when he confessed me and we'll get into the story, it was, you know, he had started a, a big journey, uh, transformation. And so he was always like, at some point, Brittany, when you're ready, this really could help other people and never pressured me. Um, but the reason why we're still married today is because of, um, specific people who did share their story. And so, you know, Caleb's just a, just a, a really interesting person who, um, he really doesn't care what other people think, obviously, because he's encouraging me to put this thing out. He's like, I'm gonna look like the worst person on earth, <laughs> but, um, but I, that's the beauty of where we are now. And, um, and the relationship that we have and the respect that we have for one another, where, um, he, he really was like, not if it's when, but not pressuring me. So it, it was, it was left up to me when, when I thought the time was right. The listeners are telling Brittany before we got on that when I, I got through three fourths of the book and then before we were talking tonight. I was trying to like get through the last part of it and opened up to this portion that was about forgiveness. And many of you know that I went through a divorce in the last year and I haven't shared a whole lot about that. Uh, but you all know that it's been incredibly painful and a big, a big change. And so I said to Brittany, I'm like, I can't even believe this because I feel like that's what I really need to hear about tonight, but I don't want it to just be about what I want to hear about. I want it to be what you feel called to talk about. And so share with them then what you said, because we've had a history of this together a little bit. Well, I think this is, it's your podcast and, and you have, you are so intuitive and um, really, I think my comment was just um, God's really put us in, um, 
in very specific circumstances, uh, at the right time for you and I to connect. And, and so we were both, um, going through devastating, like very, um, raw emotions. The last time that we were on a podcast, because my mom had just been diagnosed with breast cancer and your father figure had just been diagnosed, I think was stage four pancreatic cancer. And, yeah. and it was like the same day or something. I mean, it was really, I kind of said, Hey, I'm really sorry. I'm in a funk. I'm going to try to be upbeat. And you're like me too. And, um, and then, um, you know, my book, I share a lot about infidelity and marriage and, um, and a lot of just very, um, hard things that, that Caleb and I have been through together and you shared what you're going through. And I feel like that there's purpose in, um, wherever the conversation leads us today. So I am, I could talk about forgiveness all day long. I'm happy to talk about whatever you think. I think you're the one in tune here with, with the direction of the podcast. And so I'm going to lean on you, um, really for what you think, you know, our viewers, your viewers, who's listening to this podcast need to hear. So I would love to talk about forgiveness and I'm in that process of that. And there Mm -hmm. are two things I want to talk about forgiveness of self and forgiveness of the other person. Mm -hmm. And so how did you work through both of those? And is it ongoing? There's no question forgiveness. In fact, I have a family social covenant, um, and my marriage and it's called, we walk in pre-forgiveness that we, we forgive before it even happens because we've agreed that we're going to love each other and it's not conditional on forgiveness. Um, in the book, I shared that, you know, the great saying that forgiveness is like, um, or anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Anger and, um, unforgiveness will, can really kill you. Um, literally and figuratively, I believe, I think it just takes a a horrific toll on the body and on the mind. Um, and so for me, um, the forgiveness was a process when, when I had learned, um, Caleb confessed to me, uh, what was going on. First of all, I wasn't only really pissed off at him for what he had done. I was also pissed off at him because I thought this is such a weak minded man that I married and, um, didn't understand why this guy was dealing with depression and anxiety and even suicidal thoughts. And so I'm just like, at that point in my life, snap out of it. Like, yeah, don't use that as an excuse, by the way, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like get it together, be tougher, be, yeah. I was not only forgiving him for circumstances. I was also needing to forgive him just for the mental state that he was in. So, um, luckily for me, you know, so he, he decided to get some serious help and went to a, a place, um, called the Meyer clinic in Dallas, Texas. And, um, got, got great counseling. And in fact, they said, well, we think he needs three more weeks here. And I'm like, okay, great. Really? So it was just that six week process and then many ongoing for many years, um, follow up. But in that process, they had recommended when he checked out that I check in and I'm like, look, I'm not the one with any problems here. Um, I really don't need this. (laughs) And when you go, you take an extensive, uh, round of tests and like 200 questions to, you know, check and see where you are in life and, uh, any sort of mental illness. It, it turned out I was dealing with a lot more than, than I thought I was, but back to the forgiveness piece. Um, 
you know, this is going to sound really strange, but I actually truly enjoy the forgiveness process and I enjoy the apology process because, um, when you can learn to be quick to forgive one, that what it does for yourself, knowing you've done all the things you can do, you know, like I, I talk about this in the book is, is after a chapter, it's, it's reflection at the end of each chapter. And it, if you really think about like, who do I need to apologize to? Um, we let things go on far too long and sometimes they're even forgotten about. And so, um, and I know you and what, you, you know, you talk a lot about sobriety and part of the program is making amends. I know yes. people who are around me and the freedom that you have when you do that. And I've had a couple of people come to me to make amends and, you see the weight just lifted off of them. Um, and then for me as the flip side, whether it's somebody like that or somebody like my husband or somebody that has really wronged me, I just, I, I believe in being very quick to forgive. Um, and that now that doesn't mean you condone it. <laughs> it doesn't mean right. it's hey, it's okay. Um, if somebody's truly, apologetic and repenting and, and remorseful, that's the decision that you make that, you know, why, why keep this thing going? Uh, and the sixth step of our apology process is if, and when you're ready, will you forgive me? Because sometimes people aren't ready to forgive right away. Okay. So I want to unpack this quick second. The say more about the apology process. Like what does that process look like? It's the first step is to just like when you apologize to someone is you state the offense. And so I'm sorry for and okay. specific. I mean, how many times you get an apology? It's like, I'm really sorry if I did that. I'm like, that's not an apology. If come on, you did it. <laughs> Spill the beans specific about it. So you state what you did and then you, you empathize, you meet them where they are and say, I'm sure that caused you to feel this way. Or, and it was wrong. And that's step three. I'm sorry. Do you forgive me? If, and when you're ready, will you forgive me? And will you hold me accountable in the future? So I don't do it again. So if I'm doing it again, I give you permission to call me out on it. Um, and the last part is, is there anything else? And so I can't tell you what that last step has been for my family specifically because, um, and for my coworkers, because when you ask somebody, okay, you forgive me for this, but is there anything else in the past that I might need to, to also um, be forgiven for? And you would be surprised. Well, remember that time five years ago when you said this? Until you get all those conversations out, you really don't know where you stand with somebody. So why I love this so much is you're right about sobriety, 12-step programs. The, the resentment piece is a big thing. And we drink because of resentments. We drink because of hurt or anger or whatever it might be. And so making amends or doing an inventory, which is looking at my own, my own behaviors and actions and how have I impacted others, helps decrease the resentments. And it also helps me not be so in my head and be so self-centered, helps me give and then receive. Right. Right. So my question for you is, Forgiveness is a word that sounds simple, but it's, it can be so hard sometimes, especially if your heart is so hurt. So how do you soften the heart? 
for me personally, I know this isn't a faith-based podcast, but I simply would start by saying, God, soften my heart. I, I need you to soften everything around me so that I can live my life to the fullest. So I would ask personally, ask God to do that work because I don't think that I'm capable of doing that myself. I'm not, I'm not that great. <laughs> so, um, but I also think about how many times have I needed to be forgiven and I've done some pretty messed up things and God forgave me and other people have forgiven me. And so for Caleb, I thought, you know, man, there's, there's a lot on the line here, you know, to have purpose in forgiving him and, and reason to forgive him. And if I love him as much as I love, um, I, I know that I love him, then how, how could I not at least give that a shot? Now it, it did the first time I needed to forgive him. It took, I mean, <laughs> there was a lot of anger and rage, but do you know, what is anger? Anger is really just, it's, it's hurt. You're hurt. And, um, at the, at the root of it, it was because somebody I loved wronged me. And so love was the common denominator. Um, and that's where I was like, I, I, I think after, after the shock and every, and the anger wore off, I was able to not hold any grudges and to, to truly try to work on the marriage and make things right. The challenge Sarah is, um, not everybody's like Caleb and confesses and ready to turn a corner and turn around and transform. And that's when I think you got to be wise about, um, decisions and, and know your value. And, but that, again, as, as you said, that doesn't mean you can't forgive. Um, you also have to, you know, make decisions to be the CEO of your life. <laughs> I do. I do agree with you on the, at least in my instance, I couldn't control his response. I could be proud of my response and interact with him in, in as a loving way as possible. Maybe respectable way is a better way. I, I don't even, I don't know what the right word is. And at the end of the day, I did not want to regret any of my behaviors. Does that make yep. sense? I, I wanted character. I wanted to be able to say at the end of this, I helped, I upheld my character and I'm proud of myself, even though it sucked big, big time, but I'm right. proud of my character. Yeah. You're a bigger person than me because I'm just too stubborn. I don't want to be the one to apologize. So like, I'm pretty good of like, I, I don't overreact in during the moment. I just shut my mouth. Speak when you're angry. You'll make the greatest speech you'll ever regret. I love that because I'm too stubborn and I don't want to be the one to apologize, but I guess listening to you, it should be more just about staying true to my character. My character is selfish and <laughs> stubborn. Um, but 100% right. I think there for listening to you say that there's gotta be so much peace looking back to it's like, you know, it's just typical. Take the high road old, but true. My dad says, um, take the high road. There's less traffic up there. So I was going to ask you another question, this whole piece around forgiveness, who modeled that for you? How did you learn that? 
I think the first time I experienced it when my mother, her brother was murdered at 27 years old. And I, I just, I just remember her saying, I've chosen to forgive the killer, Darren's killer. And I'm like, that is just crazy to me. I mean, this is, um, it was a very traumatic. This was somebody who lived with us. My uncle, um, he, he, it was, a, a terrible situation that happened, but pretty quickly within a couple months, she had, she had like literally chosen to for, forgive the guy. And we also prayed for him. Um, mm. and she walked me through that process and I'll never forget it. And so, you know, I think when you look at a mother and a sister who can forgive, so my grandmother lived with us as well. And, um, the peace that they had through a very sad situation, um, she really modeled it for me. So it wasn't foreign to me you know, what the process was. And then in our, I think I talked to you a little bit about our leadership training called transformational leadership. And the six step apology comes from Ford Taylor in the leadership and, um, and, and in the training. And so we actually train our people on how to apologize. Um, and that's in our social covenant with our family and as well. Okay. When you tell me these things, I get so excited because they're so amazing that you guys embed these into, into your company. It's yeah. so badass. It's yeah. so good. It's so good, Brittany. Our company skyrocketed. I mean, when we started living this stuff out, we started it probably five years ago and it shifted the culture. The culture was always good, but, um, you know, it really shifted the way that we treat each other, the way that we talk to each other, how we handle discipline, how we handle gossip. Like we just don't stand for gossip. You have 48 hours. If you come to me and talk to me about someone else, that other person knows, I'm going to say, you got 48 hours to go handle that and let me know how it goes. Um, uh, and so the definition of gossip is, is, uh, for us, it's, um, anybody who's not part of the solution. So if I'm not part of the solution, I just flat out don't need to know, but that person who you're talking about, you've got 48 hours to go one-on-one and talk to them yourself. That just nips everything in the bud right there. And so then be- between the gossip, um, training and the social covenant, and we agree how we want to be, um, spoken to and how we want to be, um, treated, along with the forgiveness piece, there's always one more thing that you know nothing about with that person. Sometimes marriages will go on and, and you think, you know, somebody, and there's some really crazy behavior happening. And it takes sometimes a change in circumstance to really break through and say, where is this coming from? Because I don't think people are born mean, sadistic, terrible people. I think there's a lot of things that happen in, in, people's life. And they have, that's where you look, you know, listening to you, you're very self-aware and, and you're constantly working on yourself and reading and, and doing all the things. Um, unfortunately, even though, um, we have grace for people, if they're not doing the same thing, what do you do? And not everybody has that, that button that they click to say, but what, what's my part in this? you know, and that can be very difficult for people. But as you said, you go back in this for for yourself and and living your life the way that you want to live, no matter what, it's not conditional. So this is really interesting to share too, is that I think you want the other person to say, I'm sorry, and to have accountability. And I got that. And yet it doesn't always make it better. The hurt was still there. I was like waiting for the apology. I get the apology and I'm like, I'm still hurt. Mm -hmm. I'm still broken. But now, you know, 
getting it, like I've had time in between then it's the realization is, okay, okay. Now what you got that now it's your, now you got, you now have to take the action. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. What is the number one thing recently that the book has taught you? Cause I know you've been talking to people about it on and off. And oh. so what, 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 like, what's your learning lesson recently supposed to be around the book? So when I wrote the book and before I wrote the book, I was like, I could care less about sharing my story. This is going to be great. It's going to bring a lot of hope and healing. And then I wrote the book and it was the weirdest thing. Like the first week it was out. I, I just like hit a funk and I was like, I can't believe I just wrote a book. I can't believe I just put this out. Like, wow, there's no take backs on this. And it was, I don't know. It was like crazy. I felt like I could have just locked myself in the bedroom for an entire week. And, and I really second guessed everything. Um, what do you think that was about? I was very protective over what people were going to think about Caleb. Um, was then I started to think about my family, my kids, you know, and, and, um, they're going to know the story one day, you know, eventually, uh, I, I, anything I could think of, it wasn't, and I, I don't think it was, um, I think it was actually toxic thoughts. Uh, I don't even think they were, they made sense. Have you ever heard of a vulnerability hangover? No. Sounds like I was suffering from that. <gasps> yeah. I, uh, it's a term that I coined when I used to work out at Camp Joy because people would open up their hearts mm-hmm. to others, really show them what's going on. And then they'd feel they, they'd like yeah. regret like, Oh my God, should I have said that? Did I say yeah. that? Why did I say that? And I always say, if you have a vulnerability hangover, that means you're doing something right. That means you are brave and courageous and you help somebody. Maybe you don't know it, but you for sure help somebody. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Good. And I definitely think I was, I had that hangover. Um, and then I started to get the letters pouring in from people, mm-hmm. people who, um, not only save their like spirituality and their faith, it's definitely, it's a faith-based book, but it's not in your face, faith-based. It's, I, I hope not at least, um, there's a lot of theology and there as a religious studies major. So I, I definitely care about, I wanted that to be in there, but, um, the marriages that, uh, testimonies that I've gotten, and then, um, a couple of testimonies of it saving people's lives and getting help. And so that immediately went away. And now honestly, I don't even remember what's in the book. So now it's like, um, it, that, go, that went away. Like I think on the first letter and just seeing the impact that it's had on, on people. And, um, so it was, it's been good. I think the lesson you asked me, like it's be brave and be courageous and not everybody's called to share their whole story. I don't believe that. I think there's some people who are private and that's totally okay and fine for me, I wouldn't be where I am without, um, two people in my life that, that helped us navigate through. And that's because they were courageous and brave and they shared their story. I probably would, I'd be divorced and wouldn't have my kids had it not been for Kathy Camfield. And I should talk about her in the book and how foreign it was to hear that she had gone through the same stuff. So, so for me, it was just the decision that, you know, I want to be that I want to be Kathy Camfield. I want to be, um, somebody that, helps even if it's one marriage, one life, one, what, whatever I wanted to, to take that position. And she, you referred to her as your spiritual mother, Danielle. Yes. Yeah. Do you still feel her? 
present? I do. Um, I miss her a lot. And, um, but I definitely feel, you know, I think about her a lot. I think about the legacy that she left, the impact. Um, I also think, you know, she, she's in a better place right now than what's happening down here on earth. And, and so when I think about her, I think about the kingdom of God. I think about that. There's much, there's a lot more than this. And it, it's, seems like it's a long time here on earth, but it's really not. It's a blink of an eye. And, um, so she, she keeps that perspective where I, I, you know, I think she's in a, she's in a great place. So I definitely feel my mom, like, I, I mean, in this last year, I have felt her more than ever. And so I'm curious, have you, have you had since writing the book or anything else where you've, you've felt her more than normal? I, yeah. I mean, we, there's like little signs that we talk about. Um, her husband was really sweet. My, um, one of our pastors and he called and sent a text and he just was overwhelmed by it. And he just reiterated how much she would love it. But, um, yeah, I mean, she's, her family talks about, uh, little bluebirds that come around and she always loved them. And there's, you know, there's a time I'm sitting, you know, putting my makeup on and looking out the window or just, and I, I see it and I, I feel, I, I feel her, um, but I definitely believe that that presence can be made known when, when it's needed. And so it sounds like your mama wants you to have that peace and the signs that, um, you're going to be okay. And one of the, the, what, what I love, and I've seen this play out in, 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 especially my best friend's life. I remember when she was going through the divorce, um, man, she tried to, she tried everything to, to fight for this marriage. And, um, at that, and I, I wrote about this part in the book, there was, I was listening to a pastor and he said, you know, God does have a plan A for you. Like you're, it wasn't a mistake. You got married, right? It, it's not a mistake. You have kids like there's a plan A, but we have to get over thinking that plan B is not going to be even greater than plan A that there's a plan B there's a plan C and I'm watching her live out her plan B. And I'm like, my God, she has the most phenomenal husband, marriage, the joy. And I just, that to me is like, it's better than the saying, this too shall pass. I believe that this too shall pass, but I believe plan B can, can be so much even better than plan A that we originally thought. Thank you for that. I teared up listeners. That was really nice. <laughs> and I lost my train of thought. I was asking a question, but then I got really sidetracked by that. Uh, so about that there's um, all things work together f for the good, right? It, 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 we, there's just terrible things that happen. We, we just have to come to peace with that. It doesn't matter what religion you subscribe to. They talk about that in Eastern religions, Western religions that, that we just need to surrender that, that there's going to be suffering in this world. Right. Um, I've come to terms that there's going to be suffering in this world. I, I can't control what happens day to day. I can certainly pray and, and have peace and protection and trust and all of that, but I can't control it. There's just going to be suffering in this world. Um, but and we can control our response to it, which, yeah, that's, and that's what you were talking about. You you're walking away from a situation knowing I don't have anything to apologize for. You know, that's my joke about being stubborn. Like you, you did you and you did it great. And 
So and- I, I do feel like I own it. There are things that I chose in the marriage. I, so it's not just a one-sided thing at all. And I own that piece of it. And that's why I asked about like, how do you forgive yourself? And then the other person, I mean, I, you know, I, I own half of it, not his shitty half, but I own my part in it, my contribution to it. And frankly, sometimes it's easier to own my part of it because I can control that. I can't control what he did. Right. Uh, Yeah. I, I, I do want to get to that place of, of healing and it's, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's work and it's day in and day out. And it's time to, right. It took you time. Years, years and years. And, and then you get to the point and you're like, I honestly, I feel like sometimes I've got amnesia about the circumstances. And one of the things I wrote about in my book was truly, this is going to sound real crazy, but like, um, if the people that Caleb had, um, had indiscretions with, if they lived next door to me, I'd be like, Hey girl, come on in for coffee. I'm going to tell you about Jesus. <laughs> you know, like I, I'm telling you what, if you told me that 10 years ago, I, you've lost your mind. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, I'm, you're I'm, not I'm, coming in here. No, I'm thinking about how I'm going to like kill these people and my husband at the same time. Not really, but you know, I know, I know. You're, yes. You're thinking crazy thoughts. And so that's the time and the work and all of that is. Yeah. When you were writing this, did it bring up old feelings or no, it was okay? Not at all. It brought up how much I love Caleb. It's the craziest thing. Like it brought up to me, the man that he is now and, um, the marriage we have and the work he put into it. And again, this is where I'm like, not every person, every wife or husband is going to take that road. When I talk, say transformation, I'm talking about serious transformation and a lot of work. And he was, so I'm just, I literally am married to my best friend now. And, um, he fought so hard for me. Like he screwed up. He knows he screwed up. And, but there was a line in the sand moment where I was like, this is it. And it's never like, it's going to be over if we don't truly change this. And when we did that, um, I, I just, it doesn't mean we don't have issues and problems. We sure do. We still, you know, sometimes I tell them, I'm like, I'm not your sister. We fight like sister and brother. Sometimes it's just not, you know, and, um, but the relationship is so deep and strong. And that's one thing my pastor's wife said to me, she said, Kathy said, I promise you, if you can get over this, you will have the most rock solid marriage of your life. And I'm like, how is that even possible? The betrayal, the trust, the lies, the, all of it. And it sounded so foreign to me. And she's hundred percent right. That that doesn't even go. I think this is where I go back to forgiveness and apologies, whether it's your spouse or a best friend, like I, I my best friend and I have had some heated blowups and to just fights where, um, and a lot of people, like we've talked about this before where really you two fight. I'm like, yeah, but can I tell you when we go through and we sit down and we really talk and we both feel valued, we both feel heard. And Oh, by the way, is there one more thing? There's many times that we'll both be like, yeah, actually, I didn't tell you this, but this really happened. And so it's, whether it's a spouse, your friend, your coworker, when you go through this apology and you go through the forgiveness process with people, it just takes relationships to a whole nother level that I never knew existed before we started kind of living this, this transformational leadership life. So I want to close with a quote that I found when I thought about you and it is maybe you've been assigned to this mountain to show others it can move. 
Oh, and awesome. so I want to say thank you for being on today. Thank you. you your gift. Back at you, by the way. <laughs> Back at you. I'm, um, isn't it wild? We haven't talked in how long has it been? Two years, maybe? I don't know. And it was pre COVID. Three years. Yeah. And um, you left such an impact on me from that. And, and you're still just, I had no idea you were going through anything and seeing you still have a light about you. And I'm just so that the viewers know we're on zoom. And so I'm looking at her face right now and she's got a light and, um, your personality and you chose to not give up and break down. I'm sure you you get sad, but, and, and, and you have to deal with that. Right. But you can tell your soul is still alive and well, and your spirit is alive and well. And I can't wait to see how your plan B works out. Don't, it better not be two or three years, please. <laughs> right. Two or three years till the next time we see each other. No, cause I'm going to see you because you're going to give me some advice. So you're happening tomorrow, but I don't want to hear about it three years from now. <laughs> yeah. You're going to give me also, we're going to get together. So you can give me advice on writing a book. Okay. You are so awesome. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I want to thank everyone behind the scenes, especially Adrian, Donica, and the team at Gwyn Sound. Also, please find us on social media outlets at Fail Forward Pod. 